0: I'm Liz hirsch tolly and welcome to the Capital Coffee Connection podcast. And um, I'm very excited because we have a wonderful, very special guest today. One of the things that I've thought about is the study of the human genome and how really everybody on Earth is 99.6% the same in DNA. That means there's a very little difference. And one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is to kind of discover what our differences are, and they're very small, but how we actually can come together as opposed to being torn apart by those differences. So we are meeting with elected leaders and speaking about heart and humanity, and not about politics and policy. The leader who I am speaking with today, she's a mother, she's a grandmother, and one of the things that she has said, and I'm going to just read it, which is who she is, is, my vision for the future always centers around our children. So anytime anyone asks me, what are the three most important issues facing the Congress? I say the same thing. Our children, our children, our children. And that is my way of introducing speaker Nancy Pelosi, who is the congressperson from San Francisco, California 11. And she was also uh, the, is the first woman speaker, two times, 2007, 2018, and um, I just want to say thank you for being here, and and really thank you because while we're not talking about politics and policy, the work that you've done is really about our children
1: and our future. Well, I appreciate your saying that, and it's lovely to be with you uh, because of our shared values about family. You have a lovely large family as well, and I have five children, nine grandchildren, and uh, it always bothered me that... One in five children in America lived in poverty, went to sleep hungry at night, and that's how I got from having my own five children, my husband and I, from the kitchen to Congress, from housewife to house speaker, <laughs> for the children.
0: Yeah. I I wanted to just to go back a little bit, and, and just because you also are from a large family. Yes. And everybody knows your story, that your father was the mayor, your father was a leader, your mother was a leader at home, but was really quietly doing a lot of the leading and doing amazing work. I was wondering if you could talk and you were the youngest and the only girl and I just wonder if you could share one or two stories things that you when you think back that were just special about your family and your family together not so much about the exactly about the politics but just what it meant to be part of that family as a little girl.
1: Well, uh, it's interesting because my father, was when I was born, he was in Congress for a long time. Then he was mayor my whole life, from first right. grade to when I was in college. He was still mayor of Baltimore. My brother was mayor. But uh, in terms of my parents, when the door, when we walked into our home, it was mom and dad. It wasn't about politics or anything else. And so we were a big Italian Catholic family. I always say I was born into a family that was devoutly Catholic, uh, proudly Italian-American, fiercely patriotic, loving America, and in our case, staunchly democratic. Okay. Did you have good pasta? Oh, yeah. Well, it's a funny thing because my grandchildren had come home to me and said, we're doing a family tree at school and they want to know what your favorite, um, (laughs) favorite recipe was. As our grandmother, I said, "Well, you know what? Um, you could tell them chocolate souffle or chocolate mousse." Uh, uh, but uh, and if well, what about grandmas? I said, "Well, grandma didn't cook, and her mother didn't cook."
0: Right, we, or, they were busy changing the world no, the, and raising well, children.
1: My grand, my grandmother, her husband was a chef, so he oh. always cooked for her. My mother had a cook, and we lived in an Italian American neighborhood, so we had food surrounding us. Right. So I said, if you want my recipe, that's one thing. But as far as as grandmom and great grandma, that's not what was going on. That's a great story. (laughs) That's a great story. But did
0: did you, and being the youngest of seven children.
1: Six boys and one girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and
0: being the youngest, obviously they protected you, but did they rough you up a little so you could be tough in life? Because I know that, no.
1: They were just overly protected more than I wanted them to be.
0: Yeah. Did they have any cute friends they brought over, at least? It
1: wasn't about that, no. No? It wasn't about that. I have my yeah. no own friends.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and and did, when you were growing up in, and in high school, did you have a teacher or somebody that influenced you that you think back to that was really special in terms of supporting you as a person?
1: My favorite teacher in high school, sister, was a nun in mm-hmm. Catholic school, and she was my Latin teacher, and I, I was a, what she called a classicist. So anytime we got into some mischief yeah. in school, she would say, Nancy, you a classicist. Classicist. <laughs> my sister, Leonore, her name was, and she was lovely. You know,
0: I can't imagine you getting into
1: trouble. Well, well we did. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit here and there. Um, I would say it would be trouble it would be more like mischief like one day we had that anniversary of the birth of link of, of um, William Shakespeare and we practiced and we practiced and we practiced all of the um the wonderful things we were going to excerpts from Shakespeare and then when we went up there to do it it was we just start laughing you know yeah. where the bee sucks there suck I and a, you know that that kind of a Mm-hmm. All these different things that all of a sudden didn't strike us as funny before, but they did that day. Right, right. That was that would be called That was mischief. being mischief. That, that was, mischief. was mischief. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and in a Catholic school, I'm assuming it was pretty strict.
1: Oh, yeah. It was. But it was okay. It was, it was what we knew. You know, It was what we knew. Now, I was in Catholic school for everything, including college. And we were all about values. Yeah. And it was about, we believed that every person had um, a spark of divinity in them. A spark of divinity. And, and that uh, they should be treated with respect for that reason. And when I started serving with John Lewis, who I served for over 30 years in the Congress, he would always talk about the spark of divinity. It was bonding for us that you had to treat people with respect, no matter how down and out they might be, or something, you had to find a place to, to respect. Yeah, and also how different they might be and yet not be that different in the end. Well, that's right, as you said in your opening. And that's what's so sad about what's happening in war and, and troubles that we have, is that we have to respect everyone but we also have to strive for peace and and uh, do so in a way that, um, like I tell the story about Israel, and I, I was just telling somebody this story this morning. I went to Israel when I was speak. I went before I was speaker, but right. when I went as speaker, I went and visited the Hadassah Hospital there, and they told me that the day before or whatever, there had been a some violence between Israeli and Palestinian people. And, and the people from Hadassah treated them both the same, both the same, absolutely, with respect. And they said, well, of course, we treated them with respect, not that we were also um, Palestinian. We treated the Palestinian with respect because we were Jewish. And that beautiful thing, that beautiful thing. We don't treat them just because they're the same as we are. We treat them because of who we who Who we are. are. And I love that. I always love that story. And right now, it holds a lot of value throughout our
0: throughout our world and in certain locations very strongly.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I. I also believe like that faith, while you are in the elected world and you're a political person, I actually do believe that faith is so important yeah. in, in terms of how you look at the work you do mm-hmm. and how you treat people. And unfortunately, I think for a lot, faith has been pushed aside because it's not as people are a little bit intimidated to bring out their faith. And that's one of the things that I've kind of learned in these conversations, especially a lot of the new mm-hmm. members. They have spoken, they are very proud of their faith, and they are not coming in with a shield, and they're coming in and having that be who they are. Yeah. And I think
1: that's really beautiful. It is, and, and I think more and more people are um, finding a sense of community with other people. And, and we encourage people to speak more openly and more freely about faith so much we, we speak so much in, in our catholic faith about and many christians as well and it, it's a, it's shared by our friends in the jewish community and other communities uh, the gospel of matthew when i was hungry you fed me when i was homeless you sheltered me when i was naked you clothed me when i was in prison you visited me and and that and so i always say uh, when these other people talk about hell religious they are. I say, well, it seems to me you pray in church on Sunday and pray on people the rest of the week because you're not living your faith. No, you're just sp- spreading doctrine and talking, but not putting it as But if we, when we come together, and because we've had Buddhists, we have Muslim, of course, we have um, Christian Jews, right. all, all that, uh, Catholics and the rest, uh, but um, we... Just to your point, there's much more that we all have in common as people of faith than you might expect. Yeah. And in
0: terms of like your grandkids, how how do you what kind of things do they obviously they don't learn from you cooking. But yeah. I know you're very well, close. I can
1: cook. Yeah, I yeah. Just, just, just not that, that recipes they're, they're, they're from they handed hand hand down. <laughs> down.
0: Not recipes the, you know, from the old country. <laughs> right. But but, yeah. but you give them a lot of love, and you give them a lot of support. And I, I can only imagine you have five kids, and then how many grandkids?
1: Nine, going on 10. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: so 10 grandkids, nine that you still are, you know, that you're currently. How do you balance it? Do you, like, WhatsApp them all? Like, how do you get in touch with everybody? Because I know you have a special relationship with each one.
1: That's right, with each one. Uh, they are just precious to us. Uh, when we had five children in six years and one week. Yeah, we thought we which we're is were. like
0: having sets of like having twins right after each other <laughs> or triplets or yeah. something.
1: Two <laughs> sets of triplets. I don't we know. thought that we had were entitled to grandchildren, and it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. We're like we're entitled to grandchildren, and um, then one of our daughters who lives in Texas, she called and said, "Jacqueline, she called and said, and Dad, you're going to be grand. You're getting a grand puppy.'" <laughs> that was not what I was looking for, and and then finally, finally, in their own good time, we yes. had these grandchildren. But we forgot to pray. We were praying for grandchildren. We forgot to pray that they lived down the street. Three are in Texas, mm-hmm. two are in Arizona, two are in New York. Now finally, we have two in California. But that and then my friends, I see them. They have them right around in the corner, right right around. nearby. But nonetheless, we're just thrilled to have them, and we um, just love them in every possible way and relate to them individually. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And at
0: least you are traveling, so it's probably kind of fun in some ways, like you end up in a city where a grandkid kid is, and they come and they
1: embrace you, and that's a beautiful thing. I just spoke to the World Affairs Council in Houston recently. saw them there. Then, Um, of course, Arizona is not even far from California, but we have some, shall we say... Political events there from time to time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and New York, I'm there a lot. In New yeah. York, so.
0: yeah. Um Do they just and I do, not personal things, but do they all, they'll just text you and say I love you and this is what happened, this is what I'm up to, which is checking in. Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of nice. It's, it's beautiful. It's you know, again,
1: as they say, um, the grandparents and the grandchildren have a common. I'm going to say. I audience. understand. And, but we conspire against their parents, you know? Yes, and, and
0: <laughs> both sides find pleasure in it, and it's correct. It's the way it's <laughs> supposed to be. Um, so I wanted to just ask a little bit when you were raising these five children that were
1: born in, mm. like, without a break. Born in New York, and then one in California.
0: How did you juggle it? Because, like, there's only two hands. I had a lot of kids, but my kids were
1: spread out. Yours were, like, all little. Yeah. But when we lived in New York, uh, in Manhattan, in Manhattan you can going to get four people in a cab. Right. So when we had the fifth, and now these are little, the oldest is two, one baby, we would have like a sneak in the cab with the fifth person. That was a problem. Then they started going out on the street when they were like three years old, taxi, Taxi, we need to. <laughs> you were sending them out to get the taxis ready. Well, no, they 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 would take it upon themselves. They, we'd all be out together, but um, it is it's, it's just really a joy. It was I don't know. It was a lot of a lot. When you have five children in six years in one week. You get so much energy that you, you're not even thinking. I mean, some days I didn't even wash my face because I, didn't, I couldn't. I didn't have any...
0: Listen, I heard you even drove him to school in pajamas, which I've done before. So yeah. there's yeah. just days where you just do that. Yeah. Then you come home and take care of
1: yourself. When I... Uh, my mother visited us. My father and mother visited us in California from Baltimore and from... My mother, she wouldn't go get the newspaper in the morning <laughs> without being fully dressed, made up hair right. and everything. Right. So when she came to California and... She saw me take the kids to school with a nightgown, rolled up with a belt so it wasn't showing, and a raincoat over it. It was so appalling. What are you doing? You're going out in a right. nightgown and a raincoat? No, no, yeah. nothing. That's so the way it was. It was different times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and your kids also, I understand, folded their own laundry and did laundry, and, and everyone chipped oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah, and helped, did, which is
1: like a beautiful thing. And then later, when I became more of a volunteer in politics, they were the they were two things. One, they would they'd sing songs like "He's got the whole world in his hands, it's got the stuffers and the sealers." Yeah. And in those days, you you did mail, and they would prepare the hors d'oeuvres and serve them at Your kids. receptions yeah. and things like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Listen, I think that those are the times when they didn't have a phone. They weren't focused on that, oh, no. and they were very present mm-hmm. in our lives. And <laughs> I, I saw the generation of getting a phone to not getting a phone in my own kids, and, and it, you know.
1: Well, I changed. see it in my grandkids now. The yeah, phone thing. Yeah, phone, the phone. So but anyway,
0: yeah, it's all it's all interesting. And um, the right now, I just have a few of these like rapid questions, which are kind of a nice way to get to know a few things about you and you can answer with one word or explain it but they're just common questions that I've asked different elected leaders Um, and the first one is what is your favorite sound?
1: Sound? Sound. Hmm. Well, I was thinking today that the voice of my grandchildren like if, if I wanted to remember something a poem or a phone number, I would just have my grandchild tell me and anything I heard in their voice his or her voice I would remember.
0: That's beautiful.
1: Yeah, voice of my beautiful. grandchild.
0: Yeah. It's, very, it's peaceful, it feels good. Um, favorite color? Oh, it depends.
1: <laughs> it depends on the sports season. Red for the 49ers, orange for the Giants, yellow for the Warriors. It has everything to do with sports. Okay. Um, I won't ask you then what's your favorite sports team because then there's got to be a bunch. Depends on the season. I understand. What
0: is your favorite smell or scent? Well,
1: my favorite food, smell, taste, vision is dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. And you eat it every day? All oh, the day. Could go for some right now.
0: We have some in the other room. Before you go,
1: we've got it, and I got only the dark, dark, dark chocolate. So the dark is it. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Okay. So um, I'm not going to ask your favorite food
1: (laughs) because now we know
0: it's chocolate. And and you'll eat chocolate in the morning, lunch, dinner. It doesn't really matter as as long as you when you need it.
1: I love it in the morning because the thing about dark chocolate ice cream is you don't have to cook it. You don't have to. You just right there in the freezer. You're ready to go. Yeah.
0: Um, what is your favorite music? Because I know that you oh have, you're have. you all over the place. All you're the even a deadhead. Head.
1: Deadhead, but also Bono and U2. That's the only... New, really, that's our three generations. My daughter and son-in-law we're, were rabid U2 fans, and their children are now, and we are too. We love Bono. We love that. The... Um, but I love all music. This weekend I will try to go to the um, symphony in San Francisco to see Michael Tilson Thomas do one of his um, favorite performances, Beautiful. Beethoven. Or usually, I just saw him with Rathmanel, but this is now going to be Beethoven. Uh, we love the opera, we love the symphony, we love the only performer I didn't see. I've seen almost so many deadhead concerts and so many Rolling Stones and Barbara Streisand, you name it, yeah. we've seen it. but one I didn't see in person was Queen. So I've seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody maybe 15, 16 times. It's a beautiful movie, and and I'm hoping to see the Queen, the Queen version now, one of yeah. these times soon. Yeah. Oh. And do, does, does your husband, Paul, does he enjoy the same music as you? Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. something you have a complete common. full range. Yeah. The complete full range. Yeah. yeah. When I grew up, a reporter asked me one time, do you stand in the way of your children uh, certain music that you don't like them to listen to? I said, why would I do that? Why would I do that? When I was growing up, it was Elvis Presley. If my parents ever told me I couldn't see, watch, listen to Elvis Presley, I mean, they wouldn't dare. Now, right. that was a big change. But he was but, also bold back then. Hmm? It, he was a bold performer. Oh, my I mean, God. He was out of the comfort Sha- zone. Oh, you know, he was shaking his what? body. doing yeah. you know, the whole thing. Uh, and it was quite different than the music they were listening to. They always, opera was always big, and the ballads, right. and, and all that, and Tony, and all that, and Tony up until now, until recently. But um, So I said, no, I would never stand in the way of any music they would like to listen to, nor would my parents have stood in my way for help us.
0: Yeah. It's nice. And I think music is, and we have discussed this, how important music is for our souls and for bringing people together and for for
1: enjoying life. Well, as with everything, you said it so well. Uh, Music does bring us together. The arts bring us together. We can enjoy it. We can laugh. We can cry. We can... Uh, be inspired together and, and uh, forget our differences and find our common ground. And, yeah.
0: So um, this is an interesting one, which I think people think of you being Speaker Pelosi and being this really powerful, incredible, and very strong person, which you are. But my question is, what do you believe is your superpower?
1: The... No, we already talked about it. That would be family, love of family, love strength, of family. strength from family. I grew up in yes, family I have, and now to see my own children be wonderful parents, that's a beautiful thing. No, that's it. That's everything. One time, I, when I was a new member of Congress, some young women came up to me and they said, "We want to be, we want to be like you." And I said, "What a mom." <laughs> and they said no, a member of Congress. I said, well, that's, that's interesting, but there's nothing like having a baby.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I always find it interesting when people say, "Oh, I'm never going to have another baby again," and then right after they've had a child, but like
1: they're pregnant pretty quickly afterwards because
0: it's it's really it's, the most it's blessed, the most glorious
1: thing. thing. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it is. So, family, I would say, is my inspiration, my strength, my joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I also wonder if there is something like advice that you give to young people, because yes, being a mom, but advice just about life. Because as we get older, and I find myself now in a place where people come to me for advice. And but what is the advice you give
1: to people, just in general? Well, I would like to hear the advice you give to people, because you're in a whole ah. generation from me down, uh, giving um, over giving advice. Uh, so. I watch you. I learn from you. I mean,
0: well, I I, my what I do is I actually, especially with women and young women, is to just to be yourself early on and not let people beat you up or let you not be yourself. Because my generation of women, which is,
1: uh,
0: I think, grew up trying to just fit in, trying to make it all work, and then we kind of forgot to be ourselves. And I think this next generation is much better. Yeah. But that is something that if I could look back, I want my kids, and we talk about our kids being better, and I want my daughters and my sons to be in their 20s and 30s and figuring things out that took me maybe, you know, until my 40s or
1: 50s. Yeah, but your advice is the best. Uh, the best advice I ever received from anyone is what you just said from others years ago. Be yourself. Yeah. Those two words are key to everything you are the only person who ever existed in the history of the world like you and be true to that know your power of you uh, your individuality and your authenticity and, and I always say to young women know why you might want to be involved in whatever exactly. it is the private sector Why? know your why know what you care about in terms of your subject matter and know how to get some things done and you'll attract people to you, and uh, it's a it's a glorious thing, and nothing is more wholesome for the political process, and governmental process, and other things, and military, business, whatever, than the fuller participation of women uh, in the political and governmental process, and in everything. And that's why we always say, when women succeed, America succeeds. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So we're sort of now at the end, and when I wanted to, and we've talked about it, but to sort of to hone in, because this is the last question I've been asking electeds, and these electeds are different ages, they come from different backgrounds, and that's also one of the things that I'm hoping to do is to show people the diversity of our leaders. Because so many times people will go, oh, she's just a politician, or she's just a cutout, but really there's so many beautiful people, yeah, and they come know. from all different places, and bring in their different perspectives and immigrants from all over the world and different generations but the one question and everybody's had just different answers but they're glorious which is what is your definition of joy and how do you what gives you joy and I know your kids and your family but then how does one have joy and then they share it and
1: it actually makes other people feel good. Well, that's quite a question. Yeah. Uh, first, I, I, I don't want to leave this podcast without saying I'm so happy that Joe Biden is president of the United States. That brings me joy. Yes. Uh, civically, officially, politically, personally, in every way. I think he's being, doing a magnificent job. And so it, it is a joy to behold. And that that is something to see someone live up to the uh, the needs of the American people. From my own standpoint... It, um, it comes right back to family, uh, again, uh, to them, the, the joy uh, to see them be happy, but also to meet challenges and do what they need to do. Uh, but I, I think that we should all, meet. again, we love our families, and our friendships are very important as well. And to just value friends, It's such a wonderful thing, uh, if they value you too, (laughs) you as well. And I have many friends in the Congress of the United States representing the beautiful diversity of America. I'm so proud that we have 70% women, people of color, and LGBTQ, and generationally different, geographically, gender-wise, gender identification, ethnically, in every way. And uh, the blessings that God has given us in that beautiful diversity is, for me, a joy to behold.
0: Well, I'm going to end by just saying it is your answer is the answer uh, that we will end with, but that it is a joy <laughs> to have you, and it is a joy to know that you have been watching out for so many people and so many children and ensuring and doing everything you can to make sure people's lives are respected loved and that heart and humanity remain within us all and so i just want to say thank you